Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Amen, amen. Hey, good morning, South Valley. It's great to see you guys again today. I see some jerseys in the house. I do not see very many Rams jerseys in the house. Any Rams fans in here? We got two of you. All right, yes, you're proud. Any Joe Burrow fans in the house today? Nobody. Okay, so you guys, if you're watching the game today, it's not because of the Rams. It's not because of Joe Burrow. It's because of the commercials. Is that right? Is that why you're watching today? Okay. Uh, It's great to see you guys today. My name is Ricky Hemi. Thanks for joining us in person. Thanks for joining us online. Uh, Today is an awesome day because we're going to talk about dating today. We are in a short sermon series titled It Matters. Last week, we talked about uh, singleness matters. This week, we're going to talk about how dating matters, and next week we're going to talk about how marriage matters. And just as a simple reminder, I want to remind you, my hope for this series is that you would see that God cares deeply about whatever relationship position you find yourself in. Okay, one relationship status is not more important than the other. What is important to God is that you maximize whatever position you are in for the glory of God. If you're single, be single to the glory of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you're dating, date to the glory of God. Can I get an amen? And for the married people next week, we're going to talk about being married to the glory of God. Can I get an amen? amen? So that is the big idea of this series. Well, I'm excited about today's topic because it forced me to reminisce on my years dating Carly, who is now my wife. I mentioned last week that Carly and I, we've been together for 16 years. We dated for six years, and we just recently celebrated 10 years married last October. Now, I'll show you guys a picture of us. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Here's us dating, okay? So that's me. (laughs) That's Carly and I, prom 2006. A lot has changed. Uh, There we go, yeah. I, I hear you guys laughing at me. I hear that. <clears throat> so a lot has changed, including the color of my hair. Maybe I'm going to bring that back. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, uh, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so we've been together since 2005. That was, that was prom 2006. A lot has changed, including our relationship status. We're married. We have two little kids. Been together for 16 years. Now, when Carly and I started dating, though, we didn't belong to a church. In fact, we weren't even Christians when we started dating. So that meant that all the dating advice, all the marriage advice that we got came from our peers and from pop culture. I'm just warning you, you're not going to get good advice there. If you're relying as a high schooler or as a young adult or whatever phase you are in, if you are relying simply on your peers to give you good advice for dating, you are in for a long and hard road. If you're just going to accept whatever pop culture tells you about dating, you are in for a long, hard, confusing, bumpy road. That was me and Carly. Our advice came from our peers, which was terrible advice. Our advice came from what we saw on television, which was also terrible advice. 
The moment we became Christians and finally got plugged into a church was the moment we began to see relationships differently. It was the moment we began to see how we treated one another and respected one another differently. God, we learned, God has a purpose for dating. There is actually a right way to date and a wrong way to date. And so today, what I want to share with you guys is, is just some principles on Christian dating. So if you're dating today, this is great for you. If you have kids under your roof, one day, odds are they're going to meet someone that they're attracted to. They need some coaching on dating. What does the Bible say about Christian dating? Or maybe you are, you're single today and, and maybe you're on the back end of a, of a hard relationship and you're about to start up a new relationship. I'm hoping that today brings you some good godly advice for how to navigate dating. So let's pray and then let's jump into it. Will you pray with me? Father God, <clears throat> I thank you so much for today. I'm just so grateful for South Valley. I'm so grateful for the joy and the excitement that I sense in this room every Sunday when we gather, just through the worship time, even through announcements, the fun, the joy. And for Gavin, what I cannot believe he was ready. He wanted to come up here and share that verse. I'm just so proud of him. We know he knows his verses. He's been doing it week after week. And I'm just proud, so grateful for the people who have been wanting to just dive in deeper in your word with us. And so we, take, we pray that today that we would hear you that we would be open to uh, understanding relationships the way you made relationships to be. So give us your wisdom and guidance, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So we're going to begin today with the basics. So let's just start with definitions. What is dating? Well, dating is a form of romantic courtship between two individuals with the aim of assessing the other's suitability as a partner. The results of dating may vary. Dating may lead to friendship, love, marriage, or no relationship at all. That's dating. Very simple. Dating is very simple, but there is a warning here. Dating is not easy. Dating is simple, but not easy. Now, I want you to know that dating is nothing new. Okay, there, is, there's a, there are examples of dating in the Bible. Think Isaac and Rebecca. Think Ruth and Boaz. Think Joseph and Mary. And if you want to read a really spicy book, okay, this, this thing gets spices up real quick. Read Song of Solomon. They start off not being together. They end up together. They're starting to date. Then they get married. And then it even goes to a little bit of behind the scenes in, in the marriage bedroom. Okay, so it's a very spicy book. Uh, it's uh, just disclaimer there. But... We see dating in the Bible. That being said, there are a few key differences between a Christian's view on dating and the culture's view on dating. So what are those differences? Number one is this. Culture says, find the right person. That's the message of culture. Christians say, be the right person. There's a difference. And so here's a challenge for you. If you are dating somebody or considering dating somebody or coaching somebody in the area of dating, encourage them to take some time this week to write down some characteristics that they want to see in a partner. Have them take out a piece of paper, write down those traits that, that they want to see in that partner, the character qualities that for them are a must, and then ask this question, do I embody the traits I'm looking for? You see, in cultural dating, we're always looking at the other person. Do they have what I want? Christian dating flips the scripts. Do you, do you, what about you? 
How are you working on you? How are you presenting yourself? Do you embody the traits that you are looking for? Now, it's no secret. This is no secret. But the dating game today has become incredibly selfish. That's dating today. People literally, and if you don't know this, this this is happening every day. It's one of the most popular apps on on your iPhone. People are literally opening up apps and swiping left or right through pictures, placing all their chips on somebody's physical appearance. I like how this person looks, so maybe I'll talk to them. I don't like how this person looks, so I won't talk to them. They're placing all their chips on somebody's physical appearance. And it's no wonder why many of us today in our culture, in our teens, and in our young adults growing up, no wonder so many of us struggle with negative body images. Because we put all our chips on simply appearance. We've been trained to judge a person solely on their profile picture. And I'm not saying that attraction doesn't matter. You're going to hear today that attraction does matter. And I'm not saying that dating apps are bad. But in your pursuit of somebody else, make it your aim to take some time to look in the mirror. Are you the right person? So what then does the right person look like? I'm going to give you guys three H's of the right person. Triple H, okay? Three H's of the right person. The right person will always have these three uh, characteristics. Don't leave any of these characteristics behind. They're all very important. The first is this. The right person is holy. If you're considering a serious relationship, a dating relationship, the first H, the right person is holy. In Galatians 5, Paul talks about the difference between somebody dominated by the fruit of the flesh versus somebody who's dominated by the fruit of the Spirit. And so the challenge is this, what kind of fruit do you have? Do you or the other person that you're interested in embody the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of the flesh. Well, what's the difference between the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit? Let's look at Galatians 5. Paul starts with the fruit of the flesh. He says this, I say to you, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, if you're looking for, okay, is this person a spiritual person guided by God, or is this person a fleshly person guided by their own desires? Paul gives a list for you right here in Galatians. Let's look at some of those lists. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. If this person has a history of sexual sin, this might not be the right person for you. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. If this person practices magic, run away. (laughs) Enmity, strife. Are you a person of drama? Is this person a person of drama? Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. Are there some kinds of addictions associated with this person? Orgies, things like these. I warn you, and as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that list, I want you to know, we're obviously, we're never going to find the perfect person. You're going to date a sinner. And, and that's just because you're a human being and they're a human being. But be, be aware of what this person is defined by. If any of these characteristics define your life or define the person's life that you're interested in, 
then now is not the right time to start a romantic relationship. You see, if you're a jealous person, it's not going to get better when you start dating. If you're a rageful person, it's not going to go away the moment you meet someone new. If you have some kind of serious addiction or struggle with some kind of sexual sin or impurity, please don't expect your romantic partner to fix you. You see, this list is a reminder that there are things that we need to address with the Lord and in Christian community before we get too close to somebody else. That's one of the benefits of singleness. We talked about it last week. Singleness gives us a season to work on ourselves, to work on our relationship with the Lord. Some people who are toxic and unhealthy are looking for relationships, and then they wonder why their dating life is toxic and unhealthy. Before you say yes to a date, before you present yourself as available to date, take a moment to look in the mirror. Am I holy? Am I growing in holiness? If there are big sin issues in my life, am I working those things out in Christian community with love, with people in my church? Am I growing or am I stagnant? Because here's the thing, if whatever your sin is, as soon as it gets into a relationship setting, it's only going to get harder. Because this is what's happening. Sinner plus sinner coming together. Guess what happens? More sin. It's just the reality. Now, it doesn't mean that relationships are bad. Relationships are good. Relationships are great. We're going to talk about that next week, and I even have some of that here today. But just be aware of holiness. So what does holiness look like? This is what he says. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the characteristics of a strong partner. If you want to know what a strong partner looks like, here are the characteristics of a strong partner. A strong partner is not perfect because nobody is, but a strong partner loves people. A strong partner loves the Lord. A strong partner opens their Bible. Can I get an amen? They open their Bible to hear from God. They open their mouth to praise God. That's a strong partner. A strong partner, at the bottom line of this is this. A strong partner is somebody who has the Holy Spirit. That's the holiness issue. Does this person have the Holy Spirit? Because if this person has the Holy Spirit, guess what they can overcome? They could overcome addiction. They could overcome anger. They can overcome sexual sin. They can overcome anything that Satan or the world may throw at them because they have the power of God living in them, and he who is in them is greater than he who is in the world. But without the Holy Spirit, life is tough. Character qualities like this are impossible to come by. So the question is, do they have the Holy Spirit? The right person, number one, is, is, is uh, holy. Number two, the right person is humble. Humble. Did you know that humility is one of the best predictors of relationship success? The couples that communicate well and seem to be enjoying their relationship are the ones who exhibit humility toward one 
another. Now, this is no secret, okay? We all know this, okay? Happy, healthy couples put their partner's needs before their own. We know this in relationships. Let me just give you a couple verses on pride, the warning of pride. Number one, Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride will break a relationship. Number two, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Number three, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The right partner, the right person is humble. Now, when I was thinking about this this week, I thought about an apron. Any of you ever serve uh, as a waiter or a waitress? Anybody in here? My wife was, so my wife's a real estate agent today. She used to be a waitress. She served as a waitress for a long time, and she did a great job. Uh, if you've ever served as a waiter or a waitress, or if you ever helped in a soup kitchen, maybe you had to put on one of these aprons. And here's the thing. The moment you put on one of these aprons, you took on a new demeanor. Okay, you would put this apron on, and, and, and all of a sudden, your mindset would change. Because when this apron was on your body, you knew my job here today is to serve the people that God puts in front of me. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to love them. Their happiness is something I'm actually going to put above my own. I'm going to serve others. And I wear this apron because I want to be a servant. Well, the same is true in relationships. Humility in a relationship is all about serving your partner, putting your partner's needs above your own. You're putting on the apron and you're saying, hey, this is not just about me. This is not just about my preferences. This is not just about my wants. This is about how can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I get to understand and know and listen to you? You put on the apron and you become a servant. That is humility in a relationship. Now, I, I do want to be careful here because we're quickly approaching marriage. So know that if you're dating, please pace yourself in a dating relationship, okay? You aren't called to give your whole self over to someone the moment you get to know them or the moment you start dating. So guard yourself. But remember this, you marry who you date. And so if the person you're dating never puts on the apron to serve you and listen to you and hear from you and meet your needs, they are not going to start doing it the moment they say, I do. The person you date is the person that you marry. And so in dating, we don't give ourselves fully over right then and there. We get to know somebody. It's a process. But know that serving, putting on the apron, is part of humility. And Jesus actually modeled this for us. Jesus modeled serving others. Look at what Jesus did in, in, in John chapter 13, just one day before going to the cross. He gave his disciples a really interesting illustration. It says, Jesus rose from supper, and he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, an apron, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. We're talking about the Son of God right here. The Son of God put on an apron. And the Son of God washed the dirty, stinky, feces-covered feet of his disciples. And he did it right before going to the cross. Okay, if you knew you were going to die the next day, you would not be wash washing feet. You would be eating a steak dinner. <laughs> Jesus is different. 
The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he served his disciples, and when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed in his place, he said to them, they're all shocked, like, what did, what did we just see? Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also ought to do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You know what Jesus is saying here? If I can serve others, if I can serve you, then you can serve also. And if you think you're too good to serve, if you think you're above putting on the apron, then you think you're above me. Because the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. One of the elements of humility in a dating relationship and in a marriage relationship is that the other partner knows how to serve. If you want to be a good partner, you have to learn how to serve. And if you're wondering whether or not you're dating a marriage quality person, ask, are they humble? Do they know how to serve? Do they serve others? Do they serve me? And, and be careful here because we're not giving our full selves over at this point, but service is a sign of humility. And just to be practical here, I want to give you guys a few indicators of pride in a relationship. I'll hit these really fast. But how would you know if there's pride in your relationship? Well, here's a couple of, couple of examples. Indicators of pride. Number one, there might be pride in your relationship if you're determined to win every fight. I saw some of you just shrink down in your chair. I did my sister's wedding a number of years ago, and she said, one thing I want you to say at my wedding to remind my husband of is that I'm right, and I'm always right, even when I'm wrong. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I know what she was getting at. But do you always have to win? Number two, there may be pride in your relationship if you see the other person's faults, but not your own. Number three, there may be pride if you talk more than you listen. You know, sometimes the best way to put on the apron is to actually just close your mouth and listen to your partner, listen to your spouse. You may be struggling with pride if you're unable to say that you're sorry. When I counsel people who are dating, this is so hard for people. They, they hold things over each other's heads instead of talking about the issues and saying sorry. Number five, you always think you deserve better. Number six, you're unwilling to change destructive patterns of behavior. I'm dealing with this right now with a couple. There's somebody who has an addictive personality and it's ruining their relationship and they're unwilling to face it. And that is pride. It's your pride that's keeping you from looking in the mirror and acknowledging what's really happening in your life. There is so much joy when you actually recognize you need Jesus. There's so much joy in actually recognizing that there's something going on that needs help and fixing and you bring it to the Lord and you actually heal. And number seven, you may struggle with pride if you make every decision about you. I don't know what your dating relationship looks, right now, look, looks like right now, but the question is this. Are you holy 
Are you humble? Is the person you're with holy? Is the person you're with humble? If not, the good news about dating is this. You are not together forever. You can get out of that relationship. If this person is not right for you, I would encourage you to be brave enough to actually end a relationship with that person. And that's really scary to think about, but I've seen too many people walk up to the altar and say, I do, to the wrong person and end up paying for it later on in their life. Holy, humble, and finally, I know this one's really important to all of us. I was struggling for H's here, so here we go. The the right person is hot. (laughs) You know this. Now, I I was struggling for H's here, to be fair, okay? I was trying to use a little alliteration. Struggling for H's, but honestly, it, this is actually the right word for what I'm about to share. The, the right person is hot. And when I talk about hot today, I don't want you to just think about attractive to you, physically attractive to you. I want you to think about this person. This person has that thing that you love. It could be a physical thing. It could be a personality thing. It could be a talent or similar interest. They have that thing that you love. And, and another thing to remember when, talk, when we're talking about a person being hot is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Okay, who cares what Vogue magazine says is attractive? Who cares? The question is this, what do you find attractive? What do you personally find attractive? Some of you, like a man in cowboy boots. Some of you won't date a guy if he's not a 49ers fan. Some of you like a woman in uniform. Okay, attraction looks different for every person. This could be a physical attribute, their physique, their smile, their hair, their eyes, their style. This could be a personality trait that they're funny or serious or loyal or selfless or responsible. But there's something about them in that area that just you just love that and you're attracted to that. This could be a talent or some kind of similar interest. They are rooting for the Rams today, and that makes you love them. Maybe you love that they work out. Maybe you love that they play the guitar. Maybe you love that they're very good at Call of Duty. I don't know. Things are changing today. They enjoy adventure. They cook. I don't know what it is, but this actually matters, that the person is hot, and not hot according to worldly standards, not hot according to everybody else, hot to you. There's something about them that you just love. It doesn't have to be looks, but it's something. Now, this is actually biblical. You want me to show you this? In Song of Solomon, I warned you, that one's spicy. In Song of Solomon, there's a section where they are complimenting each other and how they look and what they're attracted to in the other person. And so it starts with the man. This is what he says about his, this, this woman that he's about to marry. He says, behold... You're beautiful. My love, behold, you're beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. You guys are writing Valentine's Day cards? I'd leave out the goat reference if I were you. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from the washing. You brush your teeth, and I love that about you. (laughs) All of which bear twins, and not one of them is lost. You have all your teeth, and that's another thing I love about you. 
Your lips are like scarlet thread. Your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David. You got a really long neck. <laughs> and I love that. It makes me think of hanging thousands of shields on them. All of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts, I told you it gets spicy, are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that graze among the lilies. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Solomon is looking at this young woman that he's about to marry, and he's like, wow, you're hot. You got a long neck. You got a full set of teeth. You got goat-like hair, and I hit the jackpot. That might not be what you're interested in, but that's what he was interested in. Now listen to her. Listen to what she says about him. My beloved is radiant and ruddy. He has a complexion of health. He's distinguished among 10,000. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy. She likes wavy hair. Black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water. Blue eyes, likely, and is, uh, the, the whites of his eyes are very white, bathed in milk, sitting beside a full pool. She loves that stuff. His cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with jewels. This guy works out. She loves that. His body polished ivory, bedecked with, with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns. He doesn't skip leg day. <laughs> okay, that's what this lady cares about. Doesn't skip leg day. Set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon choice as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Hot. The right person is holy. The right person is humble. The right person is hot. And, and one thing I want you to do, if you're considering dating or are dating or training somebody up in the area of dating, listen, married people in the room today, you have a responsibility to those dating in our church. They need to learn about marriage from you. Who are you discipling? Who are you coaching? Who are you investing in that's not part of your age or stage of life? Who do you know and love and are caring for and developing in these areas? Because dating is simple, but it's not easy. We understand it. We know what it is, but it's not easy. And so one thing that we can do is encourage others to focus on being the right person. Are you holy? Are you humble? And when it comes to being hot, this last category, I just want to make this very crystal clear for everybody in the room. When it comes to being hot, just be yourself. Don't worry about what culture says is beautiful. You're beautiful. You are beautiful. God made you the way you are. You are beautiful. And somebody is going to love you for you. And if they don't love you for you, then they don't deserve you. Be holy, be humble, be yourself, and someone will see just how hot that really is. Finally, lesson number two. Culture versus Christianity. Culture says, do dating your way. It's all about you. It's about what makes you happy, your terms, your timeline, your desires being fulfilled. Christians say, do dating God's way. It's not about you. 
It's about honoring God with this relationship. It's about honoring this person you're getting to know in this relationship. Dating is not about you and your way and what you want in the moment and always thinking about being happy and following your passions and never silencing those urges that you have within your body. Instead, dating is actually, all relationships are actually about God. Do dating God's way. That's the message of Christians. And so in cultural dating, it's whatever makes you happy in the moment regardless of the, of the consequences. But do you know what God says when it comes to dating today? There's one word, it's the word wait. When it comes to all of these urges that you're going to experience in a dating relationship, doesn't matter if you're older in dating, doesn't matter if you've been married and then divorced and now you're dating somebody so you know the ropes and so why would I, why would I do things differently than I, you know, it doesn't matter. When you are dating, if you have not said I do, there is one word that God wants you to hear this morning when it comes to doing things God's way and it's this word right here, tiny little word, wait. Wait. Wait for your spouse. Wait until the time is right. Wait until you both are on board for the long haul. Wait to awaken the sexual intimacy side of a relationship until you say the words, I do. Wait. In culture, there are very few boundaries when it comes to dating, especially in the area of sexual intimacy. And we're going to talk about this next week. We're going to talk about a little bit about sex and God's pattern for sex. Sex is not gross. Sex is not God. It's not something to revolve your life around. Sex is a gift, but it's a gift reserved for the context of marriage. And so for those who are in dating, in a dating relationship or considering dating, I want to encourage you to delay and diminish the physical component of your, of your relationship for as long as possible. There's a warning in Song of Solomon. The woman is talking, and this is what she says, uh, 8 verse 4. She says, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. You see, the temptation in every dating relationship is to go way too far, way too fast. That is why those earlier characteristics matter. That's why holiness matters in a partner. Because a partner who cares about holiness and who has the Holy Spirit will care about not just their holiness, but also your holiness. They value their relationship with God, and they value your relationship with God. And guess what? They care more about your relationship with God than your relationship with them. That's a holy person. They love the Lord, they love you, and they know that when they, to awaken things when it's not the right time is only going to destroy the purity and, and, and design of God's goodness for relationships. And so my encouragement to you is find someone who loves the Lord, respects your holiness, and strengthens your walk with Jesus. Be someone who loves the Lord, respects the holiness of others, and strengthens the walk of Jesus within your partner. Be somebody like that. Know somebody like that. And the best way to guard yourself in this area is to remain in Christian community. If a relationship pulls you away from the church, if a relationship pulls you away from godly counsel, that's a red flag. That's not the kind of relationship you want to be in. 
If a relationship pulls you away from worship, pulls you away from transparency with those who you look up to and respect, that's not the kind of relationship you want to be in. That said, as I've talked about these things today, I am certain that there are people in this room who have made mistakes in the area of relationships. I'm certain of that. There's no doubt. And so one thing I want to remind you of is this. There's grace. There's forgiveness. If you today are listening to this sermon and you're thinking about yourself, you're thinking about your own relationships, and all you're thinking of is, man, I blew it there, I blew it there, I blew it here, I blew it in that, that way. If that's all you're thinking about and the, and the guilt and the shame is, is, is piling up on your shoulders, one thing I want you to know today is that that's happening because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to leave this place with all that guilt and all that shame and continuing in that lifestyle Okay, the Holy Spirit has something better for you, but here's the thing. You have to respond to him. You have to bring those desires. You have to bring those fears. You got to bring those regrets. You got to bring those sins to him, and you can be forgiven. You can have a fresh start. You can have a fresh start in your marriage. You can have a fresh start in your dating relationship. You can have a fresh start as a single. Can I get an amen, South Valley? You can have a fresh start. And so I'm going to close with this passage, and then we're going to hear from uh, a couple really quickly. Um, it's, it's really serious about sexual sin, and then he turns the corner. He says, don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. You're not that anymore. Because you know what happened when you came to Jesus? Doesn't matter how much sin you had accumulated, how many people you had wronged, how many relationships you had destroyed. It doesn't matter because when you came to Jesus, guess what happened to you? Can happen to you today. You were washed. And you weren't just washed, you were sanctified. You were made holy. Even though you didn't live a holy lifestyle, you were made holy because Jesus' holiness was given to you and your sin was given to him. You were declared righteous, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So if you've blown it in the area of dating, today is the beginning of a new life and a new way of dating. Make it a day of revival in your life and in your heart. Can I get an amen? All right. So we're going to wrap this up with a quick interview. Marcus and Deanna is going to come up here and help us in this area of dating. So, yes, thank you guys. You could go ahead and get settled. Um, so Marcus and Deanna, they've been, uh, they, they haven't been married for very long. They do already have the most beautiful baby in the world, little baby Addie, uh, just the cutest girl I've ever seen in my life, besides my daughter, Blake. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to bring you guys up here. Because for a number of reasons. One is I just respect your relationship. I respect how you guys are navigating parenting. Uh, Marcus and I, we had lunch at uh, Senior Poncho's, and I got to hear a little bit about his story. And uh, so it's, it, you haven't been out of the dating phase for very long, and you actually weren't in the dating phase for very long. So, but there's so much that we could learn from the two of you. So be, but before we get to anything serious, you guys have any thoughts on today's, on today's game? Any before we get into serious stuff, any thoughts on today? Probably not to have the microphone. There we go. Okay, there we go. All right. Um, thanks, Tech Crew. Tech Crew, man, they make things happen all the time. Thank you, guys. 
Um, so on the game today, um, I'm thinking that Dr. Dre is going to win. I'm pulling for, for, for the buffalo chicken dip, though. Yeah, for yeah. real. So that's, those, are, like, you, those are our priorities. Yeah, I mean, we're, we enjoy football, but baseball is like more of our sport. But we're going to definitely be watching the game, hanging out with our friends, so it'll be good. I was not expecting that answer. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be rooting for the Rams, and so pray for us, okay? Oh, yeah, that's um, going to happen, too, between the commercials. Okay. <laughs> So why don't you give us a little context on the two of you. How long did you guys date? And when did you know it was the right time to take that next step in your relationship? Uh, we, we dated for about eight months. And then we got engaged uh, right after that eight months. And then we were engaged for eight months. Um, and between the both of us, like, we were definitely praying and just asking for God's wisdom and just discernment on how we wanted to move forward. And so he just made that like, abundantly clear um, just to see that happen. Yeah, and I thought we would want to date for like at least a year so we could see each other in every season. But um, as you mentioned, we only ended up dating for eight months. And it was because I thankfully had the chance that I had very close and trusted people in my life that had watched him grow and develop for the last 10 years of his life. Um, so that was already well established. So I think once we realized that we didn't want to do life with anybody else, we're just like, let's go for it. <laughs> right. Amen. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be long, doesn't have six, I did six years, okay? I would not recommend dating someone for six years. That's way too long. That was way too long. But I had to, I had to get through college. I had to do all that stuff. So you guys were out of college. You guys were ready to, you already had your jobs. You were ready to, to make this commitment. So it just made sense to have a short, you knew each other. What were some of the characteristics that you saw in the other person that you were like, you know what, this is who I need to build my life with. I could just tell this is the right person. Well, she had goat-like hair. <laughs> A long neck, <laughs> all them teeth, child. Oh, she teeth. had them all. Um, man, uh, she just, for me, she just embodied everything that I hoped to, to see in a, in a spouse. And um, going into dating, it wasn't, it wasn't like, well, I'm just going to date just to date. Like at that point, I mean, I was, I've, been single, I've been single for a very long time. And I was looking for someone who, who, was, who was really just the things that you were talking about, someone who was holy, someone who was humble. I really appreciate her uh, compassion for people and uh, her love for the Lord. And I knew that, it was, that, that she was it when I was growing in my relationship with God even more. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so it was really just something that I began to notice in terms of like my own spiritual development, my own spiritual growth. And then just life was just so much better, you know, with her in it. And, you know, I got to a point Love where that. the Lord was like, hey, Marcus, I'm going to take care of you. Just, just do you like be the right person. Um, and, and really, it just, I, I never believed that. I mean, so many people have told me that, like, you know, just focus on being the right person. I'm like, I know, I know. Where, where's she at? Where's she at, though? And there she is, you there know, so is. it's just really focused on that. <laughs> Yeah, and I kind of similar to what you said about like thinking about ahead of time what qualities I'm looking for. Like I kind of had that, um, and so Marcus fit a lot of those, like a lot of the bill because he's he's kind, he's thoughtful, all those things. But I think one of the biggest things was his um, honesty and humility. Um, when we were dating, when we initiated the dating portion of our relationship, um, he kind of set the stage with like laying it out on the table, and so that laid a foundation of honesty and trust in our relationship that so much is built on. I feel like I realized really easily and really early that he respected God and he respected me too much to be dishonest. Mm. And that was huge. Amazing. And uh, I, I follow you on Instagram. I see you go to CrossFit. You don't skip leg day. I know she likes that too. So yeah. 
Okay, uh, what, what, so what kind of role did the church play in, in counseling you or giving you godly advice? I know that you're not from here, so did you have Christians around you too? What role did godly counsel play in, in your relationship? Well, I, I would say probably, we, we talked about this a little bit, it was probably more so when we were single, yeah. Right, like. yeah, the the majority of our, I think the majority of um, what kind of like set the rules, the boundaries uh, for relationships and dating was what we learned while we were single, um, because that's when we were in plugged in church, learning who we were, learning who we were in Christ, and that, um, like it was in Bible studies and small groups and conferences, but bit by bit, we, I learned what I wanted a dating relationship to look like, and so I would say, yeah, it was the godly counsel ahead of time, and then of course, during yeah, and just being in the context of singlehood, it really, at first it was, it was something that I kind of didn't really enjoy because I had like that longing of wanting to be with someone. And so mm-hmm. I, I found that God really shifted that paradigm and was thinking and was telling me, you know, just learn, like take the opportunity to learn. So there are so many godly people in my life who showed me what a godly relationship, a godly marriage looked like. And then just on top of that, there are just so many people, many of y'all are in this room that, I mean, I grew up in Lemoore, and so, like, I have known many people in this church, in this community for a very long time, and many people have been praying for us um, before we were even a thing. There are people who have literally prayed with us in this room, just telling us we're so glad that you guys are a couple, that you found each other, we're just praying for you, can we pray for you? And so it was great to be able to have that kind of support you know, before even taking the step of going into marriage and just knowing that there are people who are in our corner because that's, that is just one of the benefits of being in a community of faith such as, such as this one, and it's one that we really appreciate a lot. Amen. And, you know, and looking back at my relationship with Carly, and even now, anything, any success that we had in, uh, in marriage or in dating or in, even as parents, we actually just copied it from godly people that we love. And if we didn't have access to those godly relationships, those godly people, we would have never learned those characteristics. And so any success we've had has actually just been passed down to us by somebody else. So love that. Okay, last, last thing. Uh, any just parting advice, big advice, small advice that you would give to the dating people in the room today? Um, yeah, I would say best advice comes right out of the Bible, and it would be seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all else will be added to you. Um, I think as you're seeking God and you're walking in the steps that he's called you to, you're going to learn grace. You're going to learn humility. You're going to learn service. You're going to learn right relationship as you just operate in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that um, kind of gives you the tools and resources for a healthy relationship. Yeah, and, and I would just say in, a, in addition to that, because there's obviously high value and just making sure that Jesus is the center of you know, who you are individually and, co- and collectively as a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there are also just, you know, some of the other things, like just be silly together. Mm-hmm. Like this, I mean, it's, there is literally never a dull moment in our home <laughs> because we're just so, um, we're just, you know, silly people. Uh, we know to make fun of ourselves and to laugh at ourselves. I mean, laugh at each other too. But, um, and that, even just from that time in dating, as we were getting to know each other, that was just one of those other things too that allowed for us to really connect was just, to really just enjoy each other's time and respect each other's boundaries and, and grow together. Awesome, awesome. Well, you guys are a great example for all of us. Thank you so much for sharing today. Will you guys help me thank Marcus and Deanna? We love you guys. Thank you so much.
Well, that's all I have for you today on dating. Um, we're going to close with a song. I, I want to remind you guys, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, so if you got a Valentine, don't forget about that. I hope you have a great uh, Super Bowl Sunday. And we're going to close with a song, though. We got a, we got a song. I just wanted to reorient our, our minds on worship right now. So I'm going to pray, and we'll close it out. Father God, I thank you so much for uh, just for the wisdom that your word has in the area of relationships. God, we are not left alone to figure this thing out without advice, without counsel, without you. You want to guide us. And so I pray that we would be guided by you in our, in our singleness, in our dating, and in our marriage. And next week as we talk about marriage, challenge us and grow and strengthen our marriages so that we can fulfill the promises that we made to our spouse. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.